Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Really Real Real Estate Podcast. Episode 28, Sale, Settlement, and Several Shots of Smirnoff. The day has finally come. You have decided that you're ready to sell that starter home you outgrew three three years ago. And you're finally going to purchase that dream home you've been dreaming of and been saving up for for the past 10 years. The only question becomes is, how do we make that happen? I mean, should I buy first? Should we sell first? Can we do both at the exact same time? Well, today we talk about what it means to attempt to buy and sell at the same time and why, just like in the fifth grade D.A.R.E. program, you should just say no <laughs> as soon as that thought enters your mind. My name is Lou Lombardi. Please welcome your uh, real estate guru himself, Jason Wilcox. Thank you so much, Lou. How are you doing today? I'm doing. I'm doing great. And this is a subject that is. Uh, I have some personal experience with, even though I'm not a real estate expert. I I did experience this, so uh, it'd be interesting to hear uh, your sort of your sort of take uh, on this because it was a situation where I was really had. I didn't see where I had a choice. I just because I didn't have the money to buy the new house uh, until I sold the old house, but I needed to move and I had a place to live. (laughs) So it was a little scary. (laughs) I believe it. It's it's scary for all of us. Believe me. Well, what's interesting about this topic, this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart, um, because when I first got into real estate and um, I was taking training seminars and educational seminars, you know, I got a lot of training on the paperwork when it comes to the sale and settlement. And the one thing that our teacher kept drilling into us is you are the real estate professional. Your job is to explain what options are out there to your clients. You cannot be biased. You cannot give them your opinion. You have to let them know what is available to them and let them make the final decision. And over the years, as I have found myself explaining how this process works to buyers and sellers, I really try hard to not let my bias come to the forefront. But as you will see with this episode, I think it's just going to (laughs) naturally come out that way. I don't mean to, I'm doing my best to be unbiased here, but you will probably see which way I swing by the end of this, uh, this episode. (laughs) Well, according to the introduction, you're sort of already kind of discouraging people from getting into this, but uh, what, okay. What is sale slash settlement? What, what does this mean? So sale and settlement, there's actually two different forms. You have sale and settlement, and then you just have settlement. Um, there's a there's an addendum out there called settlement of other property uh, contingency, which is exactly that. Let's say you're looking to purchase uh, your new home. You're already under contract with your current home. Uh, you found a buyer. You know maybe you're through inspections. You're through the appraisal, and you're making your way towards closing. Settlement of other property contingency just means, hey, Mister and Mrs. Seller, I want to buy your house, but I'm making it contingent on me 
closing on the current home that I own. I've actually had that come up several times with, with my clients. And if you're far enough along in the first transaction, it's actually pretty, pretty painless. It's not too bad. If your house that you own, you're selling, you're through inspections, you're through the appraisal, maybe you've got the mortgage commitment. It's a pretty safe bet. It's actually nothing too scary. I've used it many times. It's usually not too bad. Sale and settlement though, is where a buyer comes along and says, Hey, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, I want to buy your home, but it's contingent on me selling my current home for whatever reason. Maybe you cannot uh, be allowed to hold two mortgages at the same time. Maybe you need the equity out of your uh, current home uh, to pay for the new home. Maybe you're buying across state lines and you just don't want to have to worry about a property in Pennsylvania when you're trying to buy in North Carolina. For whatever reason, you are trying to hinge buying your current home, I'm sorry, buying your new home contingent on selling your current home. And that's where the fun begins. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So why don't you want to make the home you're buying and the home you're selling hinge on one another? Right. This is, well, I mean, it seems like it's this very, very, very precarious place to be perched. So, yes. but, but go ahead. Why don't you talk about like the bar- bargaining power and, and everything? Yes. Ahead. So before I get into the bullet points, I'll say this much. You know, some of these addendums have been around for a long time. And, you know, maybe 20, 30, 40 years ago, when you were trying to buy one home and sell another, there weren't as many things that had to happen when it came to um, selling or buying a home. But in 2020, there are a lot of things that have to happen. And actually, there was another agent that, that did a, a real estate video that I thought was really well done. And he mentioned, I don't know that people realize when you buy or sell a home, there are a lot of times no less than 12, 15, 18, 20 entities that touch that file between the buyer, the seller, listing agent, buying agent, the title company, the lender, attorneys, you know, getting the camera test and the die test done, getting tax certifications, lien letters. There's all these people that have to have their hands on the file. It's a miracle just to get one property closed on time <laughs> without having a number one of 75 things that could blow up in your face. Right. Now you're trying to double that because you need to make two happen on the same day. So that's the first thing. But the, the bigger reason why you really want to be careful of it is this. There are actually several different sale and settlement contingencies out there. I'm not going to go into the differences between them because that's a rabbit hole I don't want to get into. But with some of them, um, what buyers don't realize is that you actually lose your bargaining power. Some of those sale and settlement contingencies, you go, hey, Mr. Seller and Mrs. Seller, I want to buy your current home, but it's contingent on me selling it. Once I get an offer from my house that I'm selling, I have to give that offer to my seller of the home I'm buying and they have to approve of it. They have to approve of uh, the yeah. sales contract of my house. I don't want somebody else telling me, well, theoretically, I don't want to be biased, <laughs> but I don't want somebody <laughs> telling me what's acceptable for, for my the what I want for my property or what contingencies or you know anything that's going to be on my property. So you lose that bargaining power. Right. The, other big issue that you run into, and it makes sense in theory, but nobody thinks about it until you spell it out. Lou, you end up playing a game, a monkey in the middle, and guess who the monkey in the middle is? That is you. <laughs> you, yep. 
you want to buy that current house. And let's be honest, nine times out of 10, the, a lot of the reasons why people want to sell and settle is because you don't have to move twice and you don't have to pack your stuff up only to pack it up again. So, and you don't want to be homeless because if you sell your current house without buying one, then you're homeless, you have nowhere to go. So what happens is the buyer knows you're trying to buy a house and the buyer knows you've got to close on your current home to buy your new home. So you've got to do whatever it takes to keep that buyer at the table. And if that buyer, especially in the inspection period, if that buyer comes along and says, hey, I want $10,000 worth of repairs done on the home, or I walk, well, you can't you, you can't have them walk. You've got to have them stay at the table. So now you get shafted because you got 10, maybe $15,000 worth of repairs. You've got to give into to the buyer. You can't let them walk. On the flip side, the seller of the property you're purchasing knows you don't want to be homeless. You don't want to lose out on your dream home. So then you go to your seller in the inspection period and say, hey, I want these five, $10,000 worth of items replaced. And they go, no, we're not doing it. <laughs> so you get shafted on both ends. You're busting your behind to keep the buyer at the table, but then also you're getting no help from the seller. You can't let the two properties fall because if one falls, you're out both of them because you've they built this house of cards and now you've got two properties that are hinged on one another and this is the house of cards you built. Yeah, it looks different from the other side of the table, you know. Yes, I will tell you a, a very um, vague story. Okay. Because I think there's a the document names out have there been that changed. none of us talk about this, but here goes. <laughs> I was involved. Well, I wasn't. My clients were involved once sure. in buying a house. Okay. They were buying a house. Their sellers were the monkey in the middle. They were, they were involved in the sale and settlement contingency. They had to sell the house my buyers were buying in order to purchase their new home. So my buyers get into the home inspection phase and a couple things come up, maybe four or $5,000 worth of work. And they flat out told me, they said, hey, look, let's ask for these things. Let's see if we get it. But if we don't get anything, we're okay with it. We'll keep moving forward. I said, sure, not a problem. So we, we put it together and all of a sudden I, I get a call from that agent like two days later saying, yeah, the sellers have terminated over the home inspection. And the problem is, Lou, the way the sales contract reads, the buyer has a right to terminate over the sales contract. The seller does not, okay. only the buyer. What had happened was my our sellers with the house that they were buying had a really bad inspection. There were some big things that came up and some issues they didn't want to get involved in. Uh, so they terminated the house they were buying based on the inspections. As the buyers, they had the right to do it. Well, now all of a sudden they're going, rut row, Scooby-Doo, we don't want to be homeless. So now we need to terminate the house that we're selling. Now they're trying to terminate the house they're selling based on the home inspections. You're not allowed to do that. Sellers legally cannot terminate over the home inspection. So now we're in this conundrum going, my buyers are like, wait a minute, we already gave our landlords notice that we were we were leaving because we were buying this house. WTF, what's going on here? Right. And just very vaguely, basically what happened was the, the sellers paid a very, very, very pretty penny um, to my buyers to get them to walk away quietly and amicably without having to get lawyers involved because that's where we were at. Basically, my buyers and I think, unfortunately, the sellers too were talking to lawyers because we were staring down the barrel of a pretty expensive lawsuit because sellers cannot just terminate over the home inspection because they want to. Wow. Yeah. 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 It's a precarious situation. Yeah. Hypothetically. <laughs> yes. That's a hypothetical I, situation, I, I, Lou. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. Of course. <laughs> 
Of course, none of this would happen in real life. Exactly, ever. <laughs> uh, so, um, so what is this uh, physic, financial versus physical? You have to kind of walk me through this. Yeah, so this, this is the point in the podcast where we're going to kind of steer the conversation a little bit. And and what this what I'm trying to do here is to get uh, buyers and sellers to start thinking that when you get to that point where you're ready to buy your upgraded home and you have to sell your current home, you have to go in knowing that there's going to be some level of inconvenience. This was actually the other thing that teacher that taught me in those educational classes. You're going to have some level of inconvenience. If you do the sale and settlement contingency, you're probably going to take the hit financially. Because again, especially with the inspections or if the house doesn't appraise and you've got to drop the appraisal value or, yeah, you know, I, I had um, to compromise. If you have to drop the appraisal yeah. value on your house or you have to pay more because uh, it didn't appraise on the house you're buying, you're going to probably take a financial hit. Yeah. So the question becomes going back to the beginning of the podcast, if instead of trying to do both at the same time, you try to buy first and then sell or sell first and buy second, maybe there's a different level of inconvenience that doesn't involve financial. And that's where the physical comes into play. Because let's be honest, a lot of people that do sale and settlement do it because they don't want to move twice. Well, there actually is a way that you can maybe move twice. Um, Motel but then six. You aren't, you aren't, what's that? Motel six. Exactly. That's exactly it. Exactly it. Holiday Inn Express. Yep. <laughs> and that's, and that's what it comes down to is that maybe you think about finding temporary housing, but when you do that, you don't hinge the sales agreements upon one another. And that way, if something goes wrong with one, it doesn't necessarily go wrong with the other. And that's something you have to get to think about. My situation was what I did was I, I um, because, because it was, it, there was a an inheritance thing involved and everything, and I had to get rid of the house and I had to move and everything. Um, I did. We did end up taking a more of a hit on the house I was selling. It was probably had I taken my time, you know, but I couldn't do that, so right. I ended up not getting really everything that I wanted. Um, and I was kind of I I I had gone through some personal tragedies i had lost some people uh, back to back that, that were very close to me that passed away and um my i had an awesome agent because she she sold my house and then said where are you going to live <laughs> and i said i don't know <laughs> oh that that won't work we have to find you something. And I had no idea what I was doing. I was like floating and like, and oh, so she no. went and found, she went and found a, this place for me before it even got on the market. She had like an inside track that what was going, what the, this was going to come up and it was going to be available and it was going to be super low price. Nice. And uh, so she pulled my, my butt out of the fire on it. So that's a testament testimony to what a really somebody, an agent who really cares about you and wants to see that, like, make sure you don't. <laughs> end up living out of your car um with all your stuff on the roof um we'll 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 do we'll do for you so it was that sort of like you know there was an in, there was going to be an inconvenience but because she was so yeah. johnny on the spot with it she had she she got she got to work and like was this the first house i would have picked no but given the situation that i was in right. i ended up and ended up working out just fine so Absolutely. having a this is a that's why guys it's really important to have a great agent <laughs> i mean jason right. is jason loves giving this great information but he would like you to hire him <laughs> 
right. Absolutely. Well, and what it comes down to, Lou, is I like having these conversations with people because what I've learned is when you're proactive and you know going in what's going to happen, I think that's where so many clients get irritated with their agents is that maybe their agents didn't lay out the map. And, and again, there are a, a lot of phenomenal agents out there that I know are doing this for their clients, but I think it's a matter of you have to have that conversation ahead of time because you need to know what your next steps are. And if you have a plan, it makes it a whole lot easier um, when you know going in how, how this is all going to play out. So what are the solutions to this situation? Because some people are just in that situation where – you know, maybe they don't, you know, maybe they live in some area where they don't have a lot of family with, you know, they, you know, like they could crash with or whatever, you know. And so they're in this situation. They've, you know, in order to get where they got to go, they got to get rid of where they were. They got to sell their place. So what are some of the solutions for this? Right. So what it comes down to is there's really two types of solutions. The first is financial. And uh, as you guys all know, um, when it comes to the financial solutions, call our buddy Jim Martin over at Movement Mortgage. He can give you more detail. But sometimes, Sometimes there's the option of looking into, depending on how much equity you have in your current home, you might actually be able to take out a temporary loan on the equity. Some call it a bridge loan. Some call it a home equity loan. There are actually a couple of different types of products, but you can borrow against the equity. That'll allow you to buy, and then after you buy, you can sell. Now, again, the most important thing is you have to make sure that you qualify for a program like that because, again, everyone's financial situation is different, and you need to make sure that the lender will approve a loan like that. That is a possibility. The other possibility, and it's not fun, but there's always the concept of temporary housing. Now, for some of us, yeah, that could mean maybe shacking up with a close friend, maybe a family member. However, if you are not near any family, you know, there are, you know, temporary housing as far as maybe short-term rentals. Maybe you're looking at the Motel 6 or the the, the extended stay or, um, you know, the Airbnbs right now are becoming really big. You know, it's not fun. You would have to essentially move twice. But you know what? If you do it the right way, the temp housing should really be that temp housing. Get yourself some moving pods, you know, find out what they'll hold in storage for you for 30 or 60 days while you wrap up one and then you, you finish purchasing the other. And then when you move in, they can, they can bring it to you. Um, but there are, there are those solutions of temporary housing. Like I said, the extended stay, um, or like an Airbnb and then just hotel living, take only what you need, give, give yourself enough that you can live off clothing and, and toiletries and things like that for 30 or 60 days. If it's in the middle of summer, pack up your winter crap. You're not going to need it, right. you know, put that in storage and, and, and hold it. And then when you're done or put it in a storage unit, and then when you're done, either go to the storage unit or have the pod dropped off to your house and do it that way. And it's, it's inconvenient, but you know, it might be a little bit safer than trying to hinge two properties on, 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 on each other. Um, what I wanted to ask you as an agent, Jason, do you have your ear to the ground or maybe uh, uh, being aware of temporary housing solutions maybe for folks that you could, you know, recommend if they found themselves in a situation like this? Absolutely. I'm not yeah. asking I mean, you to uh, recommend them right now, but, you know, in your mind, you go like, oh, you know, there's a, I, I could, I could, 
you know, I can hand you a couple of business cards of maybe some places yeah. that might help you out. Yeah, Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. We can, we can have those conversations. And a lot of times too, it depends on what your situation is. Like if you're thinking you might need temporary housing, I'll give you a perfect example. Some people need temporary housing for maybe six months to a year because uh, the new construction, they want to sell their current home and their building. And that build's going to be six, eight months. Well, okay. At that point, we may be looking at a lease, you know, maybe get you, I've, I've talked to several people who have done the, you know, a, a lease for six months to a year. Maybe sometimes you get, you know, apartment complexes or condo complexes that yeah. will offer those six, nine, 12 month leases. That's always a possibility. If, if you are looking for, you know, I I've had buyers and sellers where we, we buy their current home and we closed on it January 26th. We got far enough into it that once we got far enough, we were able to put it up for sale and we closed on their current home three weeks later. So at that point, we were only talking about three weeks. Well, if your finances allow it, maybe you look at, you know, maybe you look at an extended stay, you know, if you can find somewhere for 60 bucks a night, you know, you're not spending much more than what you would have on a, on a monthly mortgage payment. Three weeks is not that big of a deal. Yeah. Maybe you look at, so every situation is different and a lot of it will depend on the length of time. Yeah. Make, make, yeah. So there are, there are solutions guys. Don't, yes. don't, don't get, and if you work with somebody like Jay, and he's going to make sure that uh, that you're taken care of. So what about issues with the uh, sale settlement contingency in terms of multiple offer scenarios? This just goes as, as kind of a line of common sense, but I do like to point it out. Right now, we're in a hot market seller-wise. You know, interest rates are great. Buyers are coming out of the woodwork. Properties are selling within hours, not days. It's very simple. Everyone knows that cash is king. Cash is the top because you don't have to deal with a lender. From there, conventional is the next strongest loan because it's a non-government uh, regulated loan. Below that are your FHA, VA, USDAs. Those are uh, the next tier. And then about 75 tiers down is the sales settlement. 75 tiers down. <laughs> <laughs> like, like that's so far down, it's getting warmer where that is. <laughs> um, what, what it comes down to is just a seller wants to sell their property and get to closing and get their money with the path of least resistance. Okay. So it goes without saying, if you get someone that brings you a conventional loan that says, hey, this is what I'm going to offer and I'll see you at the closing table in 35 days. And then you come along with an offer that says, hey, I want to buy your house. We'll close at some point in the future. I still have to put my house on the market. I still have to find a buyer. Once I find a buyer, we'll get it under contract. We'll have a temporary closing date. And hopefully everything will work out well at some random date in the future that maybe we can close on your house. Even if, if that conventional buyer is offering 5000 less, what do you think is the better option? Right. Yeah. The conventional loan, the path of least resistance. So if you are a sale and settlement contingency, I can tell you almost always, unless there's just some weird act of the real estate gods above, if you are a sale and settlement contingency in a multiple bid situation, you're probably going to be at the bottom of the pile. Um, I mean, I had another random thought as we were talking about this. If you could... And 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 again, this who knows if this would actually work, but you could offer more. And in under that contingency, say, look, I'm trying to sell my place. I love this house. I'm willing to pay, you know, so much more above what you're asking. Can you give me a chance to sell my house? Right. You know, uh, so, so, you know, my house is worth X. I have no problem paying. I've got the, you know, I already have the, you know, I've already talked to Jim Martin, like it's all good to go and I'm willing to go, you know, so that could tempt 
could that tempt somebody to maybe say, you know, and maybe show that you're maybe maybe you have a maybe you can wave a big. Uh, what do you call it? Hand money or something in front of them yeah, to kind of like get them yeah. to get them to kind of like okay, I might take that offer seriously. Is that could anything like that ever happen? It it is possible. It is, but the two things that any seller is going to combat with is first off, will the house appraise? You know, if if, if the house is listed at four hundred thousand and you're willing to offer four thirty. Will it realistically appraise for four thirty? Right. Because gotcha. if it doesn't, then you're right back to square one. Yeah. The other issue is, um, let, let's say you go a little more modest. Let's say you'll say I'll pay five thousand dollars over. The problem is, does it become a wash for the seller? And what does that mean? That means, well, yeah, you offer five thousand dollars over, but if it took ninety days longer to close. 90 days of taxes, 90 More days hinge. of utilities, 90 yeah. days of ma- maintenance. Yeah. Gotcha. At that point, does it become a wash? And then we're back to square one, which is the path of least resistance. So you're right, Lou. It is a possibility. You're absolutely right. But again, sellers will still be thinking realistically about it may not affect my bottom dollar unless you're way over. And then if you're way over, will it appraise? Will it appraise? Okay. Good point. Okay. And any uh, final thoughts before we uh, wrap up? Uh, this uh, wildly interesting topic there. <laughs> I would say the biggest thing is that, you know, next to next to buying your first home, when you're looking at buying an upgraded home and selling your first home, there's a lot of moving pieces. This is not a decision to take lightly. It's not a decision to make overnight. You absolutely want to do your research. These are the type of conversations I love having with clients because I like them to go into a decision not having made it rashly, having them had a chance to think about it. You also really need to make sure that you're talking to your lender because you want to make sure you know what your financial options are out there, especially if you're dealing with more than one income, if you're dealing with spouses or something like that, yeah. um, depending on who the the loan is in the first, you know, in the first house compared to what you want to do in the second house. There's just a lot of moving pieces Take time to talk to your lender. Take time to talk to your real estate agent. Get all the the pieces of the puzzle before you make a final decision on what direction you want to go. Okay. All right. There you have it, guys. Uh, not an ideal situation, the sale settlement thing. So, you know, approach that with caution. If you're thinking about doing something like that, or you're thinking about just selling or just buying, or you're, you need to talk to an agent, you definitely want to talk to Jason Wilcox. You can reach out to Jason at 412-651-4638. So you can call or text him at that number. And you may also email at jason.wilcox at pittsburghmoves.com. Uh, wildly interesting discussion as always here Um, and please uh, continue bookmark the site we are available all over Spotify as well as very soon on on Apple Apple Music you may some of you may already be listening to it on Apple Music as of this recording date I don't have it completely uh, solidified yet but yeah it's coming soon as well so um Make sure you bookmark these podcasts. If you're listening to them and you're thinking about selling, you know, you know, you know, bookmark the ones that are most pertinent to what you're doing. You know, we've talked about the insurance. We've talked about getting the money together. We've talked about we've talked about the inspections. You know, today we talked about the sale settlement thing. So, you know, if these are things that are kind of like tweaking you, make sure that you have them. You can review them. Hey. They're short. They're easy to go back and check check over, take a couple of notes, give Jason a call. Guys, thanks so much for hanging out, and we'll catch you all on the next Really Real Real Estate Podcast.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.